You're listening to So What? The podcast that explores why library and information science research matters. We interview researchers about their work. And they connect the dots between what they do and its importance to your life. Okay, let's get on it. Most of all, Morris likes the dress-up center and the tangerine dress. Morris likes the color of the dress. It reminds him of tigers, the sun, and his mother's hair. He likes the noises the dress makes, swish, swish, swish when he walks, and crinkle, crinkle, crinkle when he sits down. He takes turns wearing all the different shoes, but his most favorite ones go click, click, click across the floor. Morris Michael-White and the Tangerine Dress from Canadian publisher Groundwood Books, written by Christine Baldacino and illustrated by Isabel Melenfont, tells the story of a little boy who loves using his imagination. Morris represents vulnerability and the courage it takes to be different. This story offers children a different kind of adventure tale, one that is focused less on knights and dragons and saving princesses, and more on breaking gender conventions. Books are opportunities for children to reflect on their own lives as well as learn about others. In public libraries, how often do children come across these stories that may challenge or simply offer a new way of thinking about the world around them? My name is Jamie Orr, and I recently sat down with Alyssa Droog, Alyssa Martin, Daniel Betridge, and Ashley Yates McKay, fellow MLIS grad students, to talk about their research project, which asks the question, to what extent are children's picture books containing LGBTQ representations being included in the collections of Ontario Public Libraries? We've compiled a list of the most recommended rainbow picture books, and we're checking to see how many of them Ontario's public libraries have. We're also collecting information on some factors that we thought might influence how many of these books are in the collections. So some of those factors are the median total household income, um, the political writings, and we're looking at those over the last three election periods. We're looking at library budgets, and um, not just library budgets, but how those break down. And we're looking at the population size of the areas that contain those libraries. The average number of titles that a library held right now was about 25 to 26%, so very low. I mean, ultimately, I think when you look at our numbers, we might be surprised that these books are not necessarily already in the collection. This isn't meant to you know, be some negative calling out of those libraries that are um, maybe not diverse, as diverse as we would like, but that it's just hopefully going to bring that sense of awareness where they're going to look at their own collections. In the same way that Alyssa and I have both spoken about how we noticed um, our collections and, and we wanted to maybe change it a little, that just if, if we're helping bring attention to it, if people are going to take that pause and, and read our research and think, hmm, I should, I should look at what we have to offer and maybe make some changes, then that's kind of that's what we're hoping for, I guess. On Monday, Becky tried to pull the dress right off his back. You can't wear it. You're a boy. On Tuesday, Eli, Henry, and the other boys wouldn't let Morris ride on their spaceship unless he took off the dress. Astronauts don't wear dresses. Um, there's been a lot of research about how seeing different people in the media offers the consumers of said media windows and doors. And the door is the ability to look at some media and see your own life in front of you. 
and it's a validating experience and it allows the person who's watching a movie or reading that book to see themselves and um, it gives them role models, it gives positive representation, um, which is why it's so important not just to have token characters on the screen, but characters that are real people, complex people with their own thoughts and emotions and um, a vast array of types of people. The other thing that was important was the windows, and that's where people have the opportunity to look into someone else's life and to realize that not everybody thinks the same way and not everyone lives the same way, but that's not a reason that everyone isn't deserving and worthy of respect. It's a lot harder to unteach lessons of um, bigotry or even just simple misunderstandings. So if we can reach kids before, you know, they've uh, learned those ingrained patterns that might be hurtful to people, I think that that's just a huge step in the right direction. It would be really great if our library collections could offer more windows and more doors. And I think that's, in the end, what we're hoping that this project accomplishes. And not just for LGBTQ uh, picture books, but really diversity in every capacity. On Friday, Morris pretended he had a tummy ache. When he thought of all the kids in his class and all the mean things they did and said, his tummy ached for real. Over the weekend, Morris spent some time with his mother and his cat, Moo. They made puzzles, they read books, and Morris painted a painting. He used his imagination, and he painted an elephant in space. And who's that? His mother asked, pointing at the little boy in the tangerine dress, riding atop the big blue elephant. Morris was hoping she'd ask. That's me, he said. One of the first things we did after we compiled the list was we read the books. Um, we read about 80 to 100 books with LGBTQ plus themes. And there were a variety of things we noticed. First, animals. There's a lot of books that do feature animals. And the problem with that is that you can kind of soften the tone of what's of the actual um, LGBTQ plus content um, if you are using animals and not people. You're not showing them as real people if they're, pe if they're animals. That's one of the issues. There is also a number of books that don't – we called them books with double meaning and we tracked the number of them. Um, for example, Red, a crayon story, talks about a crayon for the entire time. But the crayon is transgender and you don't necessarily realize it. I read the book to my roommate and she says, I don't understand how this fits into your research. And I was like – and I told her, she was like, oh, like total – like some of these books have double meanings and you're not supposed – you don't necessarily get it unless you know. It's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting to see – children's picture books where the child has two dads and, and that's a piece of the story in the same way that other stories say my mom and my dad and it goes about the story about penguins on a magical journey. It's, it's a piece. You know, I have two dads and they helped me get ready for my birthday party. Um, but the story isn't about just the fact that I have two dads. It's about my birthday party and the fun that I'm going to have. And it's a piece of the storybook. And I think that seeing things like that um, are also great as well. Um, I think something, and I can't speak to the author, but I think something that's uh, really interesting with Red, a crayon story, um, and other books that maybe have more subtle tones, is that part of, part of what's made the book popular is the community has taken it and taken ownership over it, and um, whether or not every person is going to pick it up and realize that this 
can be interpreted as a story about a transgender crayon, maybe it doesn't matter so much as the fact that it's there and that the LGBTQ plus community has has said this is this story and I can use it in this way. And, you know, it is a it's a high value book that's gotten a lot of attention, I would say. And we don't want to knock these books. There's nothing wrong with these books. Sometimes yeah, it's great to have um, that metaphor or to have a book that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, the problem is when they're the only books that exist mm-hmm. um, and when they're the only voice because it's not exactly a voice. Like, it's great, but... It's great, but we want more. Yeah. And I think that's the baseline is that... It's great. It's a great story. We love it. But we want more. We want more representation. We want, you know, we want to see everyone represented. 100%. There are issues with the books that we do have. In my particular opinion, I think that the art for a lot of these books could use a lot of work. I don't want to knock them too bad because they went there and they were doing something that nobody else was doing. And I can't give them enough props for that. But... The production quality for a lot of these books just is not on par with the production quality of a lot of other books that big publishing houses are making. And it would be really nice to see these voices getting the same amplification that a lot of other voices are getting. Eli and Henry wouldn't let him on their spaceship, so Morris built his own. He hung his painting on the front of it and climbed in, ready to take off. Are there really elephants in space? Eli asked. And tigers? If you follow me, we can find out, Morris offered. Eli and Henry followed Morris to a planet they had never visited before. As they explored, Morris swish, swish, swished. The tangerine dress crinkle, crinkle, crinkled. His shoes clicked, clicked, clicked. And it'll help all those kids out there who are LGBTQ, but also all those other kids who are just going to end up being allies. Mm -hmm. I think we're looking at the impact on this next generation. And if we're able to help influence, if we're able to help bring these books, if we're able to help make these topics accessible to this new generation of kids, and you have to think about this, like we're talking about children's picture books. These are those base storybooks that, you know, most kids are growing up looking at and reading. And if we're able to offer them these things at that young age, I think that it's going to really, it's going to bring about an amazing amount of change and empathy and just understanding that we're going to see when these kids today become adults. And we're hoping to publish our results Um, We'd like to write possibly in a professional publication as well as an academic publication. Um, The professional one will be for library practitioners with some guidance on how can you actually diversify your collection. And also the academic one will be about, you know, our methodology. How did we how did we actually go about doing this and why did we make the decisions that we did? I think in that professional publication as well, we want to give some guidelines on just a couple of things to think about when you're looking at books. They're are a lot of tropes out there and there are a lot of stories that have been told and they've been told very well and they've been told many 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 times and there's a lot of other stories that aren't seeing that same representation Um, so there's a lot of stories about uh, gay families there's a lot of stories about lesbian families but we're not seeing a lot of stories about um, genderqueer individuals or trans individuals and I think that's changing, um, but we just want to, like, get people to, like, really analyze their whole collection and realize that just because this is an umbrella term doesn't mean that 
every story is the same story. Like there's a bunch of different stories that need to be told. When snack time was over, Becky demanded the dress. Morris told her she could have it when he was done with it. Boys don't wear dresses, Becky snipped. Morris smiled as he swished, crinkled, and clicked back to his spaceship. This boy does. This has been another episode of So What? The podcast about library and information science research and why it matters. So What? is created and produced by students at the Faculty of Information and Media Studies at Western University in London, Ontario. Find us online at sowhat.fims.uwo.ca. 